Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Early Read, Betside's college football betting show. The final show of what has been an amazing, chaotic, I don't even know the words to use at this point, but most, import- most importantly, it's been a profitable 2022 season. We come to you live on the heels of the college football playoff semifinals, the best one, in my opinion. Uh, we have the most unlikely national championship entrant ever in TCU, trying to take on the proverbial Goliath in Georgia as the Bulldogs try to become the first back-to-back national champion since the 2011-2012 Alabama team. So I thought I'd bring on one of the sharpest dudes in the space, sharpest attack, Cody Malstrom of lineups.com. Cody, what's up, man? How you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Finally well-rested now that uh, bowl season's over with. <laughs> no longer <laughs> have to track all those opt-outs, transfers, injuries, worrying about waking up and the line's moving <laughs> against you because uh, someone <laughs> decided to just opt out last second. So, yeah, we're doing pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, listen, we are two noted TCU believers all season. I don't know if either of us really thought that they'd end up in the national championship against Georgia at the start of the season, but we were two uh, guys that, I mean, a lot of smart people in the space were high on this team, and I think that, you know, it's nice to see it really run all the way out. I mean, there were numbers 200 to 1 to win the national championship, 501, 1,000 to 1. I mean, the, the numbers were crazy going into the season. So to see a team like TCU now go up against Georgia, who – third choice, second choice before the season. It's truly one of the bigger surprises, I think, in recent sports history. Yeah, I mean, definitely nailed on the head right there. I mean, we talked about it in the preseason uh, a few weeks before the even season started. Um, we were kind of just uh, talked about where we think of Big 12. I believe you were Kansas State as well. So Yeah, hit the exacta there. Yeah, but yeah, we I definitely did not have any expectations of them going all the way, let alone an undefeated season to almost cash your ticket. Thank, thank God I hedged. But <laughs> yeah, um, this but has even, definitely been one of the greater stories in college football. Especially yeah, I mean, even as we got into November, no one took this team seriously as a college football playoff threat. They imagine, I mean, what, six and a half point dogs at Texas in November, um, you know, close, small, small favorite at home against Kansas State a little bit before that. I mean, Baylor toss up and had that last second fire drill field goal. So this is a team that continued to beat the odds throughout the entire year. A little bit of luck, a little bit of underrated in my opinion, but ultimately a great story. We're going to get into that and obviously uh, break down if they have any chance of beating Georgia uh, come Monday. Before we get into kind of breaking down the weekend that was, uh, really quick, just want to mention uh, DeMar Hamlin, everyone obviously aware of what happened on Monday night. This is a college football show, but I do want to note that our thoughts and prayers are with DeMar, his family, the Bills, anyone affected by what happened on Monday Night Football. So, you know, I know we're going to break down some college football and, you know, have a great time doing it. But 
Obviously, thoughts and prayers are with DeMar and everyone affected by that. So now, turn the page. Uh, let's do some college football playoff semifinals talk. We'll start with, we'll go in chronological order. TCU holds off Michigan, 51-45 in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, now into the national championship. We kind of just broke that down. But before we really get into how they could beat Georgia, let's talk about how they did do it this past week. And how do you, you see, how did you see this game play out, Cody? I know you were on the Michigan side, right? You thought that this was actually the end of the, end of the road for TCU. So I guess, how did the game play out? Where were you surprised? I had my own kind of takes on what had happened if it's replicable so what did you see uh in the fiesta bowl on saturday yeah so kind of a slap to the face to the, the team that we believed in at the preseason because every um, game's different man every game yeah, i know <laughs> but uh double slap to me so um if you take like five minutes on my twitter you'll know that i'm probably michigan's well not michigan hardball's <laughs> biggest hater and of course in one of the biggest games when i finally believe in michigan to just get the job done steamroll them i think is the word i use to everyone, including my Michigan friends and family. Um, yeah, I was just embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, I like, well, after the first play, I was jumping for joy. I was ready to go. And then, of course, ever since that failed goal line stand for, you know, when you don't sneak the ball, mm. um, TCU took over and ran away with it. And to be honest, I think they won comfortably more than what the score dictated because, you know, it got a little fluky at the end. But mm. you know, TCU's 3-3-5 defense, I thought they were kind of going to get steamrolled by Michigan's run game. A little smaller, but they used their speed, plugged the gaps. And like I said, other than obviously that first big run, they really contained that uh, that rush, that rush success. Yeah, I think that was the real key to the game there. I mean, outside of Edwards, a 54-yard run, that I can't believe Buck Clark caught him. I mean, David Edwards, one of the fastest guys in the country. Yeah. Michigan averaged 3.3 yards per carry on the next 39 carries for the rest of the game. So you take out that one run. Michigan's run game was shut down the entire way, which I think that really turned the tides because I was not that confident J.J. McCarthy heading into the Ohio State game. They had a few big plays over the top against the Ohio State defense, and they got that win. But in the back of my mind, once Michigan went down like that, I was like, I don't trust J.J. McCarthy to really sling this team back into the game. The second pick six made it a three-score game, and I was like, this game's over, man. Like I know the score got close and Michigan had a chance with a minute left to go down the field, but I thought right there, that was the end of the game um, where McCarthy throws that third quarter pick. It went to 18. I just don't trust, I don't trust McCarthy when Michigan had to escape the run and really stop establishing it. That was all she wrote in my opinion. TCU had them. And I saw um, quotes after the game, when Michigan ran that goal line trick play. That's like a sign of weakness, in my opinion. When you talk this big game, you have the more at a win award-winning offensive line, and they can't get a push to beat the TCU at the goal line. I don't know. I I'm not. I don't think it was an unjustified win. I think TCU deserved that win. You know, before we'll get into if they can replicate it against Georgia. But any other takeaways you had from TCU beating Michigan? Um, but I think we're on the same side here. We think that it was a, a justified Horn Frogs win. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely justified because, like you said, I mean, at one point they're up three scores, and it's not like really on their end. It was it was fluky. Like they established their offense. We know what they are. They're an explosive offense mm -hmm. against going against a fantastic uh, secondary and coverage unit. And it just seemed like they just kept breaking their spirit and their will. Like at any point where I was watching it, and I thought, you know, Michigan, their defense, they, they might hold themselves here. Boom, slant across the middle, something broken, huge play, and it's just. That's what TCU did throughout the season. That's what they did against Michigan. They kept that same identity. Yeah, I, I think 
the, the game script really flipped on its head because Michigan gets stopped at the goal line. And, you know, I, I, the first half under, so I was thinking this game would start out slow anyway, but Michigan could have still controlled the, you know, terms of engagement. It's when McCarthy threw the pick six and to go down seven nothing the first one, then I was like, Oh boy, like Mich- this is about to be a crazy game. You know, Michigan's going to need to throw to get ahead. Michigan's defense going to be all rattled now playing from behind for like the first time all season, pretty much. Are they going to be able to shut down Johnston and Miller um, and DiMarcato for that, for that matter. So I just think Michigan, the game script just got completely out of hand and they lost all control of the game. So to say TCU thrives off chaos, that's exactly what they want. And that's what an underdog is really looking for in college football, you know, Flip its normal game script and let's get some chaos. Let's get some variance involved. And TCU cashed in. So all the credit to them. They are international championship game. So let's talk about the nightcap, a game that honestly lived up to the hype even more. Georgia beats Ohio State 42-41. Ruggles misses a 50-yarder at the horn to uh, cost Ohio State's chance at a national championship. And what would have been easily the funniest outcome with Michigan losing and Ohio State winning. And uh, that just would have been chaos on the timeline. But Cody, how did you see this game play out? Where were you pregame, and were anything did anything change uh, based on the results or how the game played out? No, I was on Ohio State pregame. Um, I believe I got them at six, six and a half. Okay. Maybe it saw a dip. I think it dipped all the way to five. Yeah. Um, I actually had to catch a replay of this game. I was at a. I was at a. I was at a friend's wedding. And so did you, did you know the result though? You knew that Ohio State so lost. literally the only so like I think we were like doing the speeches like all that. So like when we caught that ending, it was the the final field goal attempt. Okay. So even though I knew the ending, I caught the replay. I even though like I said, even though I knew what was going to happen, uh, everything that transpired, I was still on the edge of my seat at the end of my bed watching <laughs> that game. I don't know how Ohio State lost that game, and my jaw is still on the floor. They yeah. played a phenomenal game, but. You got to give credit to Georgia for that fourth quarter uh, performance, especially uh, especially by Bennett. Yeah, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. being knocked out of the oh. game that really turned the game on its head because Georgia really spotted Ohio State a bunch of I guess you know fortuitous bounces. Ohio uh, Georgia misses two field goals. The Stetson Bennett pick. Ohio State gets ahead, and Georgia just hangs around. Stetson, it definitely wasn't Stetson Bennett's best performance, but listen, the guys showed up late. Uh, the 75 yard touchdown pass that really set this game in motion and got things going where it needed to be. Um, you think Georgia played a bad game though? 96 percentile this season in terms of EPA per play against the Ohio State defense. They averaged nine yards per play against one of the best defensive lines in the country. So it feels like Georgia played a bad game because Ohio State played so well and it felt like everything was going Ohio State's way. But Georgia still played a lights out game. Also, I mean, they made up the mistakes that you know I just listed. So. To me, this is Georgia escapes because I agree with you. I think Ohio State probably should have won that game and Ryan Day. Maybe a few regrets, but I don't think there's blame to go around the Ohio State side. I don't think this is an Ohio State blew this opportunity. I think Georgia did what it had to do late, and that's what national champions do. So, and Cody, you said you watched the, the replay of it. Do you think that this was unjustified? Do you think Ohio State blew it? Or do you think Georgia, listen, they did what they had to do late. That's what champions do. Oh, that's a tough one because <laughs> – like you said, it's, it's kind of funny because I actually had the same exact moment last night uh, when I was done watching the game. I was like, man, like Georgia did not play a great game. And then you look at Bennett's stats and you're like, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, in my opinion, yes, Ohio State deserved a win. But, I mean, like you said, as soon as Marvin Harrison went down, you can't really account for the success that happens after that. you got to play yeah. with what happened. 
And you were right. I mean, their offense kind of just had stalled out. It gave Georgia way too many chances. And Georgia did what champions do. They made the comeback and they secured the game. So that's where I'm kind of torn on it. Ohio State deserved the win. But George got the win. Like, you know, it's that's a tough one. My take before the game was an Ohio State upset would not shock me because mm-hmm. I personally believed Ohio State's A game is the only A game in the country that could beat Georgia. I think that Ohio State, to me, they, listen, I had preseason futures on Ohio State, so I I was a believer in Ohio State's yeah. upside. So yeah. I said if Ohio State brings their best, they could beat Georgia 100%. But, yeah, and I think you got Ohio State's best. And, listen, they were – a 50-yard field or one defensive stop away from uh, beating Georgia. So uh, I, I think I'm a little justified in that. But listen, Georgia gets it done. They are now 12-and-a-half, 13-and-a-half point favorites in the market right now to beat TCU. So uh, let's get into it. Let's talk some national championship next Monday. Really quick, just want to give some recaps. 66-50-1 uh, and one season against the spread, giving out plays on Tuesday. Um, we went 6-2 and two on bowls. Uh, just to recap, I'll count the UL loss I gave out with Chris DeBear Felica. Um, I totally agreed with him. I would have given it out if he didn't want to. So we'll count that as a loss. Also had in the CFP semifinals, the Michigan first half under, Georgia team total over, Fresno State, Texas Tech, Tulane, Duke, and Penn State all winners. So um, good stuff there. Did lose on Air Force over, uh, couldn't forecast an Arctic blast coming through. Uh, where is it? Texas, Dallas area. So uh, that was a loser there, but it is what it is. Um, so yeah, great season. We've got one game left, one bet to give out uh, left on the college football season. So let's cap it with a winner. So um, Georgia TCU, national championship, Bulldogs laying 12 and a half total, call it 62 and a half. Cody, where are you first looking at this game? What is your defining kind of stats that you're looking at to break this national championship down? Well, a little preview. I was absolutely shocked when i saw that spread drop like shocked i saw circa put out a 14 right away i got a 14 um i'm pushing this down to 13 i love it there and i like you said i think it's what 12 and a half half now in some books yeah 12 and a half now. There's still indication yeah still going down doesn't surprise me i mean we're talking about the performance that they gave against michigan michigan keeping the same identity that george is really going to bring um, so yeah, I'd like TCU is an instant look for me and I'm going to predicate it on their defensive success that we saw. Now, like you said, I mentioned earlier, TCU, I mean, they had their ups and downs this season. Uh, a lot of hectic games, I guess is what we'll call it, but I really like throughout to the, to the end. I mean, they're really molding into Joe Gillespie's identity that he wants to bring who, whatever he's making, double his money. <laughs> like, oh, my <laughs> now God. Now you have to. <laughs> yeah, like, and um, like I said, they're now bringing a Georgia identity that's going to uh, mimic Michigan, and I think they're going to keep that same success now. If they're going to get the win or not, we'll see. But in a covering aspect, I love anything above two scores. Yeah, you know, I made this George, just raw number. I made Georgia 14.5, total 58.5. So I'm – leaning Georgia numerically, but when I, you know, I play this game out in my head, I do wonder if George is going to be able to kind of pull away from this TCU team because game script wise, you know, I think you're going to see Georgia play a conservative bought end up style because to me, the reason why Michigan lost, in my opinion, not that it, they didn't deserve the loss. I think they did. They didn't play their best game. Two pick sixes, I think set this game in motion it put TCU ahead so they could play from ahead. And in the third quarter where the game started getting chaotic, J.J. McCarthy throws another brutal interception that turns into a pick six. So two real inflection points right there were the pick sixes. I don't think Georgia even bothers with that type of offense. I don't think they put 
TCU in an opportunity to really pull away like that. I think you're going to see Georgia who at, we know they want to run the ball. Like that is what they crave. That is what they want to do. They want to lean on their offense. Their passing offense is really efficient, but I think it's on the run game. I mean, listen, they're not explosive. 52nd EPA per rush, but number one in success rate. This team stays ahead of the chains. They're going to move the ball and they're going to sit on this clock. I don't think they want to get into a shootout at all with TCU. And there's the graphic. I like the under here. I think that this is the third time all season that Georgia has been lined in the sixties, Tennessee total of 65 game landed with 40 points. Georgia absolutely suffocated Tennessee. The Ohio state game though, I was on the show and I said, I think that this is an over game because of Ohio state's ability to take the top off the defense and guess what? They were able to do that and made Georgia play from behind. I don't think Georgia is going to put themselves in a position where they're chasing points like Michigan was. So while I question, do I want to lay the points to win by double digits in the national championship game that I think is going to be more of a slugfest? No, I just like the under here. I think that this total is artificially inflated. I like that. I took the 50, I make it 58 and a half. So I think you're getting an inflated number because of the 96 points scored in the TCU game and the 83 points scored in the Georgia game. Cody, what do you think about the under as kind of my look uh, sideways? Do you think TC, like do you think TCU is going to try and get into another shootout here, or do you think that they're not going to be able to do that? I think they are, and it's because Michigan or not Michigan, <laughs> Michigan's on my mind now <laughs> um, because Georgia. You know we've known them for the past couple of years about this elite, scary, vaunted defense, especially their defensive line, like. That like they used like Georgia. We know like, we were talking about what last year they were one of the greatest defenses of all time. Now I'm mm. not sure if they ended that way metric wise, but I was in shock to see that when I was looking at their numbers, they're only 76 in um, pass rush, defensive pass rush, yep. which means they're struggling to get to the quarterback. And now, yes, Stroud is an unreal talent. I have him comfortably above Duggan, but. I mean, Stroud, we saw he's not actually a really a mobile quarterback. I mean, he can be mobile, but he likes to stay in the pocket and pick apart defenses. Stroud had not only ample and comfortable time in the pocket, but when he was scrambling, like Georgia's defense, they were on their heels, and Stroud was connecting for big plays at a time. Now we're bringing in Duggan, who specializes in yeah. uh, that kind of chaos. I, I see no reason why they can't beat Georgia over the top, who's struggled with containing that deep explosiveness and arguably with one of the best receivers in the league in Quintez Johnston, who also is probably going to get a one-on-one matchup with Keely Ringo, who has struggled in one-on-one coverage against it. And now he gets a big body in Johnston. So, yeah, yeah. It's a, in my opinion, I think that is what TC is going to want to do. They're going to want to keep the pressure. But I also agree with you. Georgia can be successful at stopping them here and there, but when Georgia gets the ball, they're going to want to see. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think that's really the key. Is Georgia... They're going to play a style not to lose a conservative approach, a run first approach, because they just saw Michigan put themselves in a disadvantageous situation. TCU thrived off of it and took advantage. So that's why I think unders more my look, just because I think Georgia is going to dictate this game script. I mean, just a few more uh, kind of similarities. I think you're going to see a Tennessee-esque approach from Georgia because Georgia, they don't bring extra men. They don't bring 
uh, blitzes. They bring, they try to win with their four man front. They try to win with Jalen Carter, who didn't even play that much in that game, which was a little strange to me. But I think you saw Georgia when they played Tennessee, I believe it was seven or eight sacks on Hendon Hooker. And they really corralled that Tennessee offense that is as explosive as you're going to see in the country. So I think you're going to see more of that game plan. And like I said, 40 points total in that game. I think Georgia, they want to suffocate the Tennessee defense. And I think that's going to be their point of attack in this game. Just don't let TCU get the time for Duggan. Don't let them take the top off the defense. We want to maybe we'll bring extra pressure to take time away from him, but we're not going to let him over the top. I mean, look at this TCU-Michigan game. One number that really stuck out to me from game on paper, negative 0.21 EPA per dropback. So that's estimated points added per dropback. So that it factors in the explosive plays and all that. That's not success rate. But that's 26 percentile this season in terms of EPA per dropback. So TCU didn't have the most efficient pass game against Michigan. Michigan was still able to kind of limit the plays. Obviously, like we said, the game went haywire. The game went absolutely nuts. But from a down-by-down perspective, TCU's pass game wasn't at like carving up Michigan. It was the explosive run plays early in the game and the pick sixes that really set this game in motion. So that's where I'm a little concerned about TCU's offense against this Georgia defense. Georgia's defense only allowed over 24 points twice this season. It was against LSU in a game where Georgia hung 50 and then Ohio State. I don't think Georgia wants to get into that type of game right here. I think they want to limit the variables. That's how I see it. So that's why I'm kind of leaning towards the under. And um, what was the other point I want to make? I mentioned the totals. This is the third time they're going to be totaled in the 60s. They went under in the Tennessee game, and that's and the Ohio State game. I thought last week's last weekend's game pointed towards an over game script. The Tennessee game was an under game script, and that's where I think that, you know Kirby Smart and this defense wants to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and we haven't really touched on it yet. I mean, they're dealing with a potential major injury in Darnell Washington, which is critical. Now, granted, Brock Bowers is the primary target on that offense, but uh, Georgia runs two tight end sets at over 50% of their offense. And when you bring in Oscar Delp, he only, I believe, yeah, only four receptions on the year. One thing that we looked at once um, in their game against Ohio State when Washington went out. So, I mean, we're fat, we're taking away a whole nother uh, target share for out of Washington. Now, we talked about before the show, he might play. We'll see. It was, yeah, he said, or initially it was believed a high ankle sprain. Uh, Washington said it was a soft bone bruise, whatever that means. I'm very medical literate. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> um, and he has family out by SoFi. So, I mean, coach talk, it sounds like they're going to try to get him in. But even if he's in, he's not 100%. Yeah. And now we're going to, potentially rely on him in the national championship. I don't see targets going his way either, even if he's a mountain of a man. But um, so, yeah, I mean, they have, they have a fantastic ground game. And even though uh, TCU's three, three, five limited Michigans, you can't really use transitor property and say, Oh, they're going to do that to Georgia as well. So Georgia would be wise to start out going heavy on the ground and see where that success takes them, which yeah. would go well to your under. A hundred percent. And I think, we just mentioned the Washington injury. Kendra Miller, that injury looked nasty, to be honest. I live, I said, ooh. And then he came back in, started the second half, did not finish whatsoever. Dean Mercado did perfectly fine, but Miller's been their workhorse back all season. So for TCU, if they're not gonna be able to establish the run and it's gonna be dug in doing read options, and you know, he's gonna be seeing multiple bases from the most sophisticated defense in the entire country. That's a real problem if DeMarcado can't take a full lion's share of carries and Miller's not 100%. Because, again, this TCU passing game, we said they're predicated on the explosive pass, but from a success rate perspective, 
it's just not there. I mean, this team is um, right around the national average in success rate through the air. It's all explosive passes. The two deep, the two passing games that gave Georgia trouble was LSU who ranked 18th and Ohio State who ranked second. So this is a team that they're explosive, but they're not necessarily down by down efficient. So that kind of concerns me if Miller's out. And also, you know, this is going to be TCU throwing from behind. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against Georgia who maybe they then load up and start sending extra men and really putting Duggan under duress. Um, I'm a little concerned there. And that's why I'm staying off the spread. I just don't have any interest. I like the under, and I saw Jared in the comments ask about the first half under. 100% worth a look. I think, again, I and Cody, do you see uh, TCU pulling ahead early? Because, again, Michigan rolled down the field that first drive. I know it was one explosive play, but Michigan rolls down the field. I think if Georgia gets out to a 7 nothing, 10-3 even, this game is going to die. Like, I, I think Georgia's really going to play not to lose. They don't want to get into a track meet. If they get ahead, I think they're going to try and suffocate this game and make it, you know, an ideal score is something in the neighborhood of like 31 17 or, you know, 28 17. I think that's where they're looking uh, to play this game, not in the 40s like they did against Ohio State. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Um, and honestly, uh, pace of play, it's, it's going to, wh- whoever gets out early is, is going to dictate it because, I mean, TCU, they're they're a pedal to the metal type of offense. And then if they start with it and they connect on explosive early and they get that confidence, like, hey, like we can beat this team over the top comfortably, like we just did against Michigan, then they're they're not going to slow down. And that's when I'd start getting a little worried for an under. But as you just said, if Georgia starts out with a lead, like a 10-3, 10-7, something, every time they're good, I mean they're milking the clock because they're because they're kind of like, oh, well, we just saw what TCU could potentially do to us. Like we want to limit their chances uh, with the ball. And Georgia is efficient and good enough to successfully dictate that pace with either small chunks at a time or just really grind out the clock. Because um, like we said, I mean, even though TCU had that one impressive um, defensive game against Michigan, we have seen them in the past scramble to really fully p- put it together for a full game. And that, 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 that does give me some pause, but TCU's explosiveness gives me some comfort for a potential. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, TCU's offense gives me some confidence uh, for a potential backdoor. I mean, because like if they're up three scores, a little over two scores, it's championship. You're not going to slow down and stop at the end of the game. Yeah, I I think again, I I think TCU winning this game probably is an over game. I don't I don't think TCU is winning. So I think Georgia again. I think they're going to get the preferred game script. And again, Georgia. Before bowl game started, 101st in place per minute. TCU's only 84th. So, again, that's that explosive nature. They want to hit big plays, but they don't necessarily run up and down the field. So, I think you're going to see a slow, methodical, limited plays. Maybe some are explosive, but I think under. Again, I think that this is being artificially inflated by um, the high-scoring semifinals games. I don't think that this is a true under. Again, I project at 58 and a half. Um, I think that this is an under game, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, we, we got some – First touch on question. We'll get to um, office hours and get to the questions in a, a few minutes. But um, Cody, any other you know comments you want to make? Any other you know prognostications you want to make on the national championship? Anywhere you're going to see this go? I I guess I'll I'll preface it. Do you think TCU can win? I think they can win. They can win. I should. Do I, I think, do, do I think yeah. they win? No. Do you think that there's um, value in taking TCU on the money line? I guess I should. I should phrase it better. TCU on the money line. Is there any value there? What are they? I don't even know what they are. Money line. Um, I saw the open four to one. I'm assuming probably down to three seventies. My guess. Sure. So, do you, do you see any value there? Are you like 
just the points. Don't worry about it. You think Georgia, if it's even close, they'll find a way to pull it out. I'm a conservative type of better. I want maximum security and value to my bets. I'm not going to take the money line. Okay. Now, maybe if I got a few drinks in me, because I'm going to be in Vegas for the game, maybe I'll sprinkle the money line. <laughs> but um, actually giving out, to, if I, for actual advice, I would probably stay away from the money line. I personally just don't see it. And it's going to come down to how well coached their offense is going to be because the, one of the key met, or key things I got going into this game is I uh, rewatched the Missouri game because Missouri was a defense that gave Georgia pause really early in the year. They didn't necessarily run a 3-3-5. They threw it in a few times. They mainly ran a 3-4 odd front. But they Georgia looked like a deer in the headlights. Um, they had no answer for a majority of that game against that defense. TCU is bringing that same scheme. Now I, we we have we're all we're a we're a Joe Gillespie <laughs> love train over here. Oh yeah, um, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I I think Georgia after seeing it, they will have success against the defense. So that's why I'm staying away from the money line. Just give me the spread, give me the cover, give me the little security blanket. Yeah, um, I think another thing to look at in this game, TCU depth wise. It's just not even on the same level as Georgia. I wonder if now they played Michigan, who has the blue chippers and all that. Now playing Georgia second week in a row, does that kind of wear on TCU as the game goes on? Even if it's tight early, does the five-star and the pressure and everything else get – not pressure in the game, pressure from you know the stacked offensive and defensive lines. Does that kind of wear on this TCU team as the game wears on? And you kind of see TCU run out of gas come the end of it and a few drives stall, and then all of a sudden Georgia has – their six minute drive that kind of ices the game and it's kind of just over from there. So I wonder if that is factored in maybe as a live look, maybe Georgia live towards the end of the game. If you see TCU's kind of running out of steam. Yeah. Um, I bet if you ask them, they'll never admit it, but <laughs> you gotta imagine. So, I mean, there's, it's like that one Bama effect, um, that trend that uh, was popular uh, teams that come off of playing Bama, like they never ever cover their next game. It's because you you got beat up. You're going against a larger, like the most athletic of athletic players in the nation, the best of the best, just big guys, and they're going to have that size advantage once again. And you touched on their depth. That is a that's another thing that uh, scares me, is um, especially their running back. If uh, Miller can't go after uh, Demarcado, their next running back only had 29 attempts. Like. So, I mean, if Amari gets hurt, like, now we're – they're really screwed. They're yeah. losing a whole another dimension uh, to their offense. And then, yeah. and then Georgia can just sit back and just full-blown disrespect the coverage. So, yeah, so, I mean, I definitely that, – that definitely could play a factor. But, yeah, that, that's a little worrisome. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, let's get to some questions, though. I saw the first touchdown one. Uh, Cody, really quick, though, as we pull up some questions, uh, anything you want to plug that you're doing, your Twitter, um, you know, uh, which you could see um, right in front of you, but also um, for those listening on podcast at K Malstrom, K M A L S T R O M. Uh, anything you're doing with lineups you want to bring up? Now's your time. Um, yeah, just keeping it really simple as of now. I'm just uh, writing a bunch of articles. I cover NFL, college football, college basketball, NBA. Um, I'll be doing NFL draft coverage. That's by far one of my favorite times of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you can find all my work at K Maelstrom, like you said, on Twitter, um, at lineups as well. Um, there, uh, everything will be posted o- over there on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get to some questions. A lot of, uh, love for TCU Moneyline in the chat. Um, really, I guess we'll start with the first touchdown question. We see 
some Duggan first touchdown, Quinn Johnson first touchdown, 11 to one. Uh, I don't even have the odds up for first touchdown. If you, I'm going to try and pull those up as fast as possible, but um, Cody, any, any looks here, first touchdown, not, not necessarily bet, but maybe uh, a little recommendation that maybe some player prop angles you're looking for. Yeah, it's definitely tough to say um, recommendations. I'm trying to pull it up right now too. <laughs> those weren't numbers that I had readily available. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing anything for it. Um, I definitely like the Duggan angle, um, especially because when we're bringing down scheme-wise, you, you got to keep this defense reeling, and Duggan's legs are going to be a huge factor. I got to imagine, you know, quarterback first touchdown. It's going to be somewhat of a juicy number. Like I said, I'll guess. I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, I'm personally not a prop guy, um, though there are some statistic props that I like, but um, well, depending on the number. But um, for first touchdown wise, I would definitely either lean. I would I would lean Duggan and uh, Quintez Johnson. Okay. While you, I'm trying to find numbers because New York is uh, the worst for college football player <laughs> props. Uh, why don't you? Let's talk. I know we were talking off air about Max Duggan rushing yards. So why don't you kind of break that down? What you're looking for and um, anything like that? Yeah. So like I said, it's really tough without the numbers. It's it's really going to come down to what the books put out. And actually, I had a question for you. This just popped in my head. Um, does the, do you know off the top of your head, does the college championship kind of play out like the Super Bowl in terms of, is this a market where it's going to be so popular that the public's just going to hammer the overs? Cause that, that's what they want to see that where we should really take the unders last second, you know, does it kind of work the same way in the championship? So I'm not a huge college football player prop guy, so I don't mm-hmm. track that market and really keep an eye on it. But if I had to guess, it's so such a niche market. Mm-hmm that you could see a lot of public money come in now, especially with like the legal legalization of sports betting. You could see a ton of variance in the numbers at open. And I think, yeah, there's something to maybe the public money flooding in and driving the numbers up. But I think it's like an incredibly inefficient market. Whereas like Super Bowl, like Cam Akers rushing yards wasn't under like the play of the year last year. I think that's a much more efficient market. It's much more defined. I don't like college football player props are like super, super niche. I don't really know a ton of people doing them. There are some really smart people doing it, but I think you could see a ton of variance in those numbers. Okay. Yeah. I wanted to get that question out there because it's just one of those. Well, shoot, if it's not as like, that's not as efficient or whatever, do if we're going to do player props, especially like overs, do them right away when they drop. But yeah, yeah, Duggan is definitely his rushing yards, definitely going to be an angle that I'm going to look at because as we were breaking it down earlier, his legs are going to be very key because you got to keep that, especially for how elite the Georgia coverage uh, rate is, you got to keep them from reeling and moving. And to connect on those explosive plays, he's got to scramble and shift the uh, the defense like towards him. So I definitely like his over, um, especially after what we just saw Stroud do. And then honestly, I like Tay Barber over receiving yards as well. Quintus Johnson is number one. <laughs> he's the best receiver in yeah. the league, in, in my opinion, or, or going into the draft, I should say. Um, he will be the main focus. And if Georgia knows on their end that Keely Ringo is going to struggle, they're probably going to bring secondary coverage to help double team Quintez Johnston and try and take him out of the game. The others are going to have to step up. And it's not really something we saw that they did against Michigan. I was very surprised to see kind of how limited everyone else was. So I, I if, if TC wants to, wants a chance to cover or get the win, which is the game script I'm trying to build, um, Tay Barber or some of the others, they're going to have to step up. And I'm going to like those receiving yards depending on the number, of course. Absolutely. So again, check out Cody's Twitter. He'll have prop bet analysis there if the number fits. Um, and then another question I just want to get to, Jerry Friedman asked, 
Uh, if you like TCU, but see them running out of gas, which I guess is more my take, but Cody, I guess it's asking you, are you confident first half plus seven and a half? I, I think I like that more than full game for sure. If I were to take a side, I really like that. And, and um, I, I will actually probably take that myself. You, you'll see that come across my Twitter. Um, yeah. Cause I definitely like the idea that you brought up that, you know, going to against two blue chips, just two teams that just tower over them with size, just beating them up. The potential of guessing out at the end is possible, but like I said, it's a championship. They're going to lay it all on the field. But if we're expecting TCU to hit that explosiveness and use their speed to beat Georgia, it's potentially going to happen more in the first half than obviously the second half. Yeah, absolutely. And then Jerry also chimed in with some first touchdown odds. Uh, McIntosh and Bowers plus 650. McKinley, DiMercato, Miller, and Edwards are 8-1. to one. Duggan, 8-1. to one. Quinton, plus 1100 Stetson 13 to one Georgia D and Washington 15 to one. So not the best uh, market in terms of, uh, you know, you're not really getting a ton of value compared to like NFL ones. Um, I kind of like Stetson 13 to one. If like they get in close read option, or if they're going to drop back the three, three, five, and maybe Stetson just takes off 13 to one. I don't know, compared to, yeah. Compared to other uh, guys like Macintosh 650. I don't know. When I was watching that uh, replay, um, what was it? I think it was a read option. We ran to that corner of the end zone. Yeah. Holy cow! I did not realize how fast he uses. That's he uses his legs. He's not afraid yeah. to run. Um, I shoot. I might be on a double quarterback first touchdown. Um, I can see it. I, I don't hate that Macintosh one either because, like what we were saying, especially if Georgia starts with it, they're going to want to establish that running identity because they're going to want to try. They're going to go conservative. They're going to want to limit their own habit because, like we said, they didn't really play the best game to the fourth quarter. I could see them kind of abusing McIntosh and saying, like, hey, you know, Michigan didn't really succeed all that well minus one big play, but we're going to. I, I don't mind that McIntosh one either for Georgia. Yeah, uh, Stetson Bennett, eight rushing touchdowns on the season. So uh, he's capable around the goal line to make plays. Uh, Jared says, book it, I'm in. Uh, Jerry also <laughs> chimed in and said, TCU defense first touchdown, 45 to one back-to-back games. Uh, we'll see about we'll, we'll see about that. But um, yeah, I, I think I'm going to, when those props become available, I think I'm going to sprinkle on Stetson first touchdown. I, I, I like that double digit, especially with like all the other numbers super depressed down. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah. But uh, thank you all for chiming in with the questions. Uh, that's going to do it for our show. If you want more of my plays throughout the season, check out my bet stamp at RW33. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wallach. Uh, you can follow Cody on Twitter at Kate Malstrom. And also, obviously, just an awesome year. First year doing this. Uh, we made a bunch of money. I hope I made some people money along the way. I hope people loved tuning into the show. Big shout out to Joanne Woodcock and Sean Daly behind the scenes uh, producing the show, the bedsided team, of course, and everybody else for helping out along the way, especially the guests who came on week by week. But seriously, great show, great season. Best of luck in the national championship if you're playing. And we will see you all this summer for the next season's early read. Oh, God, I can hardly wait already. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.